If you are truly on the road to freedom over sexual sin, here's something that you've already learned, but probably need to be reminded of from time to time. Real freedom is not about just trying to keep a spirit of lust from dominating my life. It's about yielding to a completely different kind of spirit, a loving, giving spirit of mercy. You know, the journey down that road to freedom requires us to deal with the roots of sexual sin. Like, you have to get at the roots of it. And so at the root of sexual sin, uh, there's a major preoccupation with self. So in biblical counseling, we deal with any issue, really, with a three-pronged approach. It's, you know, putting off the sin, renewing the mind in regards to that particular area, and then putting on. And the put on is this idea of meeting the needs of others, getting invested in the needs of others. That's what the put on is. And if you never get to that step, you won't really be able to sustain lasting victory over the sexual sin issue. Welcome back to our series, Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom. In today's show, Pastor Jordan Yoshimine and Pastor Ed Book will be with me. We'll be talking about why getting in the flow of God's mercy is absolutely critical for going all the way into a life of victory. And we'll also give you some practical things that will help you foster that spirit of mercy. When I was in the residential program, you know, the thing that really impacted me um, was learning how to pray and becoming an intercessor. That was really transformational for me. And you can imagine the power that prayer has Prayer is just, a, I think, a pillar in doing mercy is intercession. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. I'm your host, Nate Dancer. Here we go. All right, so it's time for another episode in our series, Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom. You're already laughing. Wow, what's going on? <laughs> um, okay, so today's key lesson is um, learning to meet the needs of other people. I'm not sure exactly what the title will be. I haven't gotten that far. But the point of it is that a key lesson on the road to freedom is that our lives should be at some level devoted to meeting the needs of other people. So Pastor Ed Book, Pastor Jordan, Yoshimine, thanks for joining me in the studio. Thanks, Nate. It's great to be here. Um, Like a number of the other topics that we've had in this series... Those who have listened to our podcast in the past are going to say, this is not new ground. But if we're going to talk about key lessons on the road to freedom, we have to cover this because this is such a core teaching of pure life, and it's such a core teaching, biblically speaking. First off, let me just ask you guys both very simply, why is the mercy life a key lesson that we have to learn as we're walking toward freedom? Well, if, if you want me to answer that, Nate, uh, you know, the journey down that road to freedom requires us to deal with the roots of sexual sin. Like, you have to get at the roots of it. And so at the root of sexual sin, uh, there's a major preoccupation with self. The, mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Living with self at the center, serving self, taking for self, doing what feels good to self, that's all hand in hand with the sexual sin issue. So in biblical counseling, we deal with any issue, really, with a three-pronged approach. It's you know putting off the sin, <laughs> renewing the mind in mm-hmm. regards to that 
particular area and then putting on. So if, you know, obviously with sexual sin, the put off is pretty obvious. <laughs> Stop doing those behaviors uh, that are violating the word of God, sexually speaking. And renewing the mind happens through scripture and things. But the put on is this idea of meeting the needs of others, getting invested in the needs of others. That's what the put on is. And if you never get to that step, you won't really be able to sustain lasting victory over the sexual sin issue. Mm. Yeah, what he said. (laughs) Yeah, I had a, you know, I mean, on my notes, I had pretty much the same um, concept. So that's why I kind of chuckled a little bit, the put off, renew the mind, put on. But I also would add in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, consider others' needs above your own. And so when we're talking about um, we're putting off selfishness, we're putting off um, or we need to put off selfishness. We need to put off self. We shouldn't be doing anything out of that realm of the self-life, and we should be actually putting on, getting into the needs of others, denying self, Luke nine twenty three, and then actually doing what um, Colossians three twelve through 14 says, love, which is the bond of perfection, bearing one another, forgiving one another. So... Um, I think that's an important aspect to remember. Yes, this is selfishness, but we need to put on mm. mercy and getting into the needs of others and love, which that is that bond, bond of perfection. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what you guys are saying is that the mercy life or getting into the needs of others or giving or serving actually is the thing that's like chopping out the root that this stuff is actually coming from. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not just a matter of, well, i got to put a filter on my phone or I've got to have all these boundaries in place. Those things can help, but if you chop out the root, then you're really doing what will... That's right. You're yeah. really getting at the heart issue of all of it, and that's what you really want to do and need to do. Yeah, yeah, and I was just thinking that you know, sexual addiction is actually pretty hot topic these days. People are talking about it a lot. And so then a lot of people are trying to offer help, and so inevitably they're going to start talking about what what are the root issues? What is really going on that is giving way or giving rise to these addictive behaviors? And I, I just, I guess, I wonder how many places or people would bluntly just say, it's selfishness. Yeah, I don't think you hear that very often, really. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, when did the lights come on for you guys where you were like, oh my goodness, the reason I'm doing all this stuff is because I just love myself? Um, for me, you know, I've shared my testimonies on the website, but there came a point in the program where my counselor asked what my biggest idol was, and hmm. I couldn't really come up with an answer, you know, just very surfacy answers, my car, you know, hockey, whatever. And I walked out of the office and a light bulb went off in my head. Wow, it's me. Like, I'm the problem. And then it was like the veil was torn back and I was able to see the reality of my condition. I was able to see the devastation that I, I mean, it was just like, it was very, very difficult um, to see all that, but necessary, I think. That's when the lights went on. But I will say this, that the four months previous to that, Man, um, learning about God's character and learning about who he is, 
his character, his mercy, his compassion, his kindness that leads to repentance. Um, he loves those he disciplines. I mean, just the character of God really helped me see Jesus. And then in that moment, four months in, I saw who I was. I don't know if I would have had the same reaction to reality of my condition that brought me to repentance if I had not seen the cross mm -hmm. and I had not seen Jesus as I had been learning over the four months before I came to that realization that I was the problem, that my selfishness was the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I honestly don't. I definitely did not see myself as the problem before mm -hmm. Pure Life. That's mm -hmm. for sure, you know. And so when I came to the residential program, if I think back on it, I, I think what really opened my eyes, honestly, was reading through the book at the altar of sexual idolatry. And I think it's chapter six in that book deals with the root causes. And I remember that section of the book pretty vividly because, you know, that's where he, t Pastor Steve talks about, you know, you got to quit blaming other things. Like you can't blame your past. You can't blame the fact that I was sexually abused uh, or any of those other sorts of circumstances and upbringing type things in our lives. And we got to quit blaming other people. <laughs> so it's not my parents' fault. It's not my wife's fault, you know. And so, you know, reading all that and you kind of eliminate all of those things that I was really focused on and looking at as the problem, uh, it only left me <laughs> in the end, you know, and mm. you're kind of sitting there yeah. looking like, wow, okay, it really is me. You know, I'm the problem. And, you know, I was kind of, I guess, coupling that not just with the sight of God. That probably was more there than I realized mm -hmm. what Jordan was talking about, but coupling it with some good, solid teaching from the Bible about needing to be a giver instead of a taker, mm -hmm. you know, that we have to deny self instead of indulging ourselves. We have to put others ahead of ourselves. You know, getting clear biblical teaching on those themes and then looking <laughs> at, you know, I can't blame any of these other things. It's like, wow, it's really me. I'm the problem and I'm not mm. doing things right at all. <laughs> you know? mm. Yeah, I don't think I ever really realized, man, you're so blind when you're in your sin and you're focused on self that you don't even see uh, the need around you. Right. Like you just don't see it. It doesn't like, even cross your yeah. mind to think about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's just amazing how when we're self-focused, how, how much we miss in the, even in the Word of God, and I don't even, you know, yeah, I read the Bible, mm -hmm. but I missed all the stuff on sexual immorality, which is everywhere. Mm -hmm. I missed the stuff on, you know, getting into the needs of others. That's everywhere in the Bible. Miss that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing how, how the self-life can really blind you to the reality of what it means to get into the needs of others, to live the mercy life. Hmm. So, okay. You guys both came to a place of genuine repentance over the selfishness, the self-centeredness, and it's like, okay, I've got to learn a totally different lifestyle. What helped you learn to live the mercy life? Yeah. I mean, as I think about it, I would say it starts with good teaching, I think, you know, and another one of Pastor Steve's books, Living in Victory, the subtitle mm, yeah. is Through the Power yeah. of Mercy. So mm -hmm. there's some really good teaching, and that was a, you know, required reading for, for me in the program. So uh, we got good teaching there. There's also, you know, the Mercy Studies class that we have every Sunday evening in the program uses the book What the Bible Teaches About Mercy by Rex Andrews, which probably, you know, outside of Pure Life, no one's ever heard of it or <laughs> 
Tiger probably would <laughs> right. never hear of it. But there's solid teaching in there about getting into the needs of others mm. and really making that a focus and a priority of the Christian life. But I really think, uh, you know, I probably learned a lot about living mercy to others uh, by seeing other people do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I was in the residential program, you know, that's one of the blessings Mm -hmm. is you're in this enclave and Mm -hmm. you have these staff members who are a little further along in their freedom Mm -hmm. path and journey and you see what they're doing and and they're living mercy. They're Mm -hmm. doing mercy, you Mm -hmm. know, and it was the odd examples of it maybe, you know, that would catch, really capture my attention, you know, like I just, it's a long story, I won't tell the whole thing, but one of the staff who kind of had a reputation of being kind of gruff and I was kidding with him one day about some Oreo cookies and when I got back to my room the next day after being at my job, there was a bag of Oreo cookies on my bed and it's just, you know, it's just a simple sort of gesture but it told me that, you know, these people are really (laughs) investing in others, laying down their lives for others and and there were, you know, just a number of examples. You're, you're surrounded by living epistles, like the scripture mm. speaks of, you know, people who are actually doing this. And they're quick to repent when they fail. It's not like they're perfect, but that stuck out to me too, that these people would actually repent for missing the opportunity or failing to follow through and meeting the needs somehow. Mm. And I guess, you know, Nate, Jordan, I'll add this thought that, you know, probably nothing taught me more about living the mercy life than having to deal with difficult people. <laughs> if you're just, you know, yeah. like you're you're in this program with 60, 70 men who are all as at least as selfish as I am, you know, kind of thing. And and something's got to give there. Like you're either going to kill each other or you're going to learn something about putting others ahead of yourself mm-hmm. and meeting the needs of others and yielding your rights away mm-hmm. and just putting others higher than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of this when, when you mentioned it, though. Living in victory through the power of mercy was just called Living in Victory when I was in the program. But that was my favorite book, my mm-hmm. favorite Steve Gallagher book in the program. And it was because that last kind of half of the book where it talks about mercy and living out the mercy life. And it was a new, <laughs> is it weird to say it in the Christian realm, but it was a new concept for yeah, me. totally new. Yeah. <laughs> and um, to consider others' needs above my own, like really, this is like really how we're supposed to li- live, to get into the needs of others. Um, that it, it took it from being just like, like a mental idea of esteeming others better. Like, I, you oh, know, that yeah. seems like yeah. it's just, just a mental idea. Yeah. Nicely, yeah. To actually, like, no, putting them ahead of me by serving right. them, by right. doing something, investing something practical into their life. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's a, like what you're saying, I think to me is like there's kind of a mixture, like that you don't recognize that. Um, mixed motives, like, yeah, I'm doing this, but there's also some benefit to me. Like living the mercy life, I think living in victory taught so well is doing something for others, considering their needs above your own, without expecting anything in return. But honestly, when I was in the residential program, you know, the thing that really impacted me um, was learning how to pray and becoming an intercessor. That was really transformational for me. I don't know if it's in that Rex Andrews book or where I heard it, but 95% of mercy is in prayer. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was emphasized in the program, you need to spend time in prayer, but also praying for the needs of others. And so 
I got practical applications all the time. You're talking about those difficult students. Well, my counselor would say, well, I would talk about the students. He says, well, you, are you praying for them? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's something I can do. And you can imagine the power that prayer has to, I don't know, like they could not change the person you're praying for, mm-hmm. but your perspective changes, yep. your heart changes. Uh, you see um, them through God's eyes. And yeah. you you really get in a flow of mercy yeah, toward them. And, right. And they're no longer half the problem yeah. that you thought they were. Yeah, yeah. and love, like mm-hmm. love wells up in you for that person, genuine concern. Mm -hmm. Um, So prayer for me was just, yeah, it was amazing. Um, Prayer is just, I think, a kind of a pillar in in doing mercy is intercession, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It really is. And I'm glad you said all that because it reminded me, you know, even of an experience I had in the program where, you know, praying for the problem students, you know, okay, we get that, right. you know, but it, even for that, it's like there is something for me going yeah, on there, true. you know. <laughs> and, and I remember when one of the other students in the program kind of challenged me and he's like, but do you pray for the other people that you just meet randomly that you don't even necessarily know very well during the day. Like, Mm. you know, the idea is if you're really prioritizing the needs of others, you're praying for everyone you meet (laughs) throughout the day sort of thing. And that took it to a completely different level. You know, it was no longer just (laughs) self-serving prayer. It was really actually trying to make that a priority to meet others' needs, which, like you said, 95% of of meeting others' needs is going to happen in prayer because Mm. their needs are things only God can do for them. So both of you guys, after you graduated the program, before you came back as interns, you were out living in the real world, so to speak, <laughs> for a period of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, what did it look like for you to go from the confines of pure life where you're in contact with a lot of different people, there's a lot of obvious needs, you're being taught to live in an atmosphere of prayer and unselfishness, to then go out into kind of the, the normal world, but not get back into just the the general flow of like, life is all about me and what I want. Yeah. So when I graduated, I moved back home with my wife. And so truthfully, she became the primary focus of my efforts to live out this mercy life, you know, which is exactly, by the way, what my counselor told me to do, mm-hmm. go home and do mercy to your wife. Kind of, mm. kind of that was my parting instruction, you know, and now I understood my role as a husband much better than I had, you know, beforehand and uh, that I needed to love Carla and lay down my life for her, you know, really like Jesus did for the church. And and, and that's what I tried to do. Um, practically, I guess that meant, you know, I was more involved and helpful around all the household chores that, that you know, anything from making the bed in the morning, you know, kind of taking over that responsibility, <laughs> dusting, vacuuming, going grocery shopping together. You know, I got off work at like an hour, hour and a half before Carla every day. So I would actually do all the cooking and mm, preparation for wow. that evening meal together. So, you know, doing all of that, but meeting her needs also meant, or maybe 
more importantly, meant that I had to be more open and vulnerable in conversations with her because she has real emotional needs that, you mm -hmm. know, I was in the past very disconnected from. And mm -hmm. so to meet those needs <laughs> for her, I had to open up a, a lot more and, and initiate deeper conversation, things like that. So, and that would go a long way toward, you know, meeting her emotional needs and our relationship needs. Outside the home, you know, there there were a few opportunities at church, setting up chairs, some things like that. So, I, you know, I did some of those things. Um, the job that I had, uh, I was driving a truck, picking up documents that we would take and, and shred. It was a document shredding company. And, you know, but it's maybe sounds odd, but, you know, just being more courteous to the other drivers on the road, putting them ahead of me, you know, uh, I don't need to be in first place. You know, this isn't a drag race <laughs> down the highway, uh, that sort of thing. But, and just, you know, praying for the other drivers as you're encountering different things and the, the customers that I was interacting with, you know, it's kind of hard to explain in some way, because I think living the mercy life, it's not just what you do, really, it's the attitude that you're doing it with, whether you're really mm -hmm. having a servant's attitude mm -hmm. toward others. And people pick up on that and they feel like you've put them <laughs> ahead of yourself somewhat if you just approach them with that kind of an attitude in your heart. Mm -hmm. And you can't fake that really. <laughs> you know, it's either there or it's not. So uh, some, it's a work the Lord has to do in our hearts. But mm -hmm. Well, I like too what you were saying, Pastor Ed, because Maybe it could be easy, I'm not sure, but I think it could potentially be easy for like a married guy who's learning, okay, I need to be unselfish, and so his mind immediately is like outside the home. Mm -hmm. I, I need to serve all these other people, but you know, my wife, like she gets it, I'm tired, I'm busy, I'm yeah. preoccupied with things, and if he, yeah, I, the first person mm -hmm. in, her, in his life, the, the wife... That's she should be getting the bulk of the mercy. Yes, yeah. And if you have children, I would include them in that. But the family, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jordy? Oh, yeah, Pastor Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we. I had the opportunity to move in with two graduates from the residential program, and so the three of us moved in together, and so. Um, we created obviously an atmosphere. Very tried to keep it very similar to Pure Life. Um, we had no internet. We had no cable. No nothing in our home. Um, we had a monitor, and we bought a lot of the Christian mo movies that um, were played at Pure Life. But one of the guys in the in the house really took charge, and myself and the other roommate really kind of joined in. Um, and so we just did practical things. We did go out of the house. Um, we signed up for a soup kitchen, so we went once a month mm -hmm. um, to serve in uh, urban Cincinnati. And so that was a wonderful, but just very rewarding. And then um, we also had the opportunity with some Pure Life staff to twice to just take out. We bought pizza, and we just went down to downtown Cincinnati on a Thursday or fr like maybe a Friday or Saturday night and just passed out pizza and just got to talk to the homeless people on the streets. Just to get into that flow of meeting the uh, practical needs for people, but also um, getting to talk to people and see where they were at spiritually, maybe potentially get to share the gospel. So those were very outward, I guess, ways to get into mercy. But when, you're, when you graduate the program, like you said, you go from 
kind of this built-in way of doing mercy because there's 70 other students in the program, um, needs everywhere. Whereas when you're living with three guys, you have to kind of think, okay, how do I widen my net? Um, So it's like, okay, let's get involved in a small group, Mm. right? Like this one guy was very... Um, I, we can see, I think the other roommate and I could see that he was very helpful for the two of us, but he got involved in a small group first, and then it was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's like, we need to get involved, and I said, okay, we'll get involved. And what blossomed from that was getting to know the people in the small group, but then each seven or eight of those people, they all have needs, right? And so you see him at church, you know, one was going through uh, marital problems, so just being able to pray with that person, um, hang out with that person. Um, Yeah, so it's not trying to kind of avoid, like, okay, I just got out of a residential program. I need to, like, uh, not not make provision for sin, so I'm just going to stay like a hermit. Stay in a cave. Yeah, Yeah, but it's the exact opposite. It's like, okay, if I stop that flow of mercy— in my life, then it's just like that mercy is like the Dead Sea. It just goes in and dries up. And so you need that open where where jars of clay where the mercy comes in and goes out. So I would recommend to anyone that's getting into a life of mercy or or, um, getting out like that to you need to continually widen the net and look for ways to get involved like in community service or a small group at church or a men's group, or somewhere where you can you can actually be part of the body, but also, you know, be available to meet needs and do mercy. Yeah, yeah. very important. Yeah, so I mean, this kind of life, which I think if anybody's, you know, pretty honest and self-aware, they're going to say, wow, this is not natural. Because it's not. It's not <laughs> natural to live a life that is intentionally putting the needs of others above my own needs. And so it can be taxing. It's, it involves a lot of sacrifice. It can be tiring. It can be disappointing, you know, when you get used by other people or the people that you've poured into just don't do well. It can be very... Uh, it can be discouraging at times. Um, what keeps you guys going with that kind of focus? Like, no, I'm doing this. No matter how difficult it is, I'm doing this. Gratitude. Hmm. I mean, honestly, it's it's keeping my focus on, uh, I tell a lot of the guys I counsel, um, living at the foot of the cross, keeping your eyes and seeing Calvary, and what just, what Jesus did, what that meant, and we're just hearing in these meetings this week, you know, on the nature of God. When I look at Christ and his mercy, what rises up in me is like, wow, Jesus, you did all of this for me. And of course, it's just gratitude just wells up. And so it's just like, Lord, when I'm discouraged or I have a, a counselee that's tough or one that's not responding, I always go back to the work of the cross and Jesus and who he is and his character and what he did for me. And gratitude fills my heart. And then it's just like this little jar tips over of mercy. And it's like mercy just pours out because I'm just so grateful. It's like, what do I have to complain about? What do I have to be discouraged about? Um, 
the Lord experienced all these things too, but man, he's so merciful. Look at the mercy he's extending to us, the lowliness, mm-hmm. his nature, his humility. Lord, I'm just going to be grateful. Yes, I'm going to face trials or these, this or that. Gratitude is, you know, for me, drives the bus. If I can stay in an attitude of gratitude, then, you know, things are going to go well because mm-hmm. of my focus is on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And gratitude really always tends to take me back to the Lord because yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. when I don't know what else to give thanks for, you mm-hmm. know, the four things I was taught is to give thanks for, for Jesus, for the blood, for the word of God, for yeah. the Holy Spirit. And and usually that's yep. how I'll start my yeah. gratitude portion of my prayer time with going through those four things and, mm-hmm. and just talking to the Lord. And, and then throughout the day, you know, when, yeah, when I want to change the atmosphere I'm in, like I do need to do that sometimes, I just start thanking the Lord. And I can always go back even to those four things. So you end up with your focus on the Lord. And when your focus is on the Lord, yep. it's not going to be on self and yep. it's not serving self. You know? And and I think another part of it for me is, you know, really the, the alternative to the mercy life, let's face it, is the self life. And I had 30 years or so of that. Mm. And it was utter misery, utter misery. It was this dark cloud of depression that Mm. hung over me and I couldn't ever get out from under it even for a few minutes hardly, you know. And then there was this underlying anger. And even today, that's still one of the sort of internal triggers for me. I think I pick up on it probably most of the time before it actually gets outwardly expressed. But if I feel myself like getting a little agitated or angry inside, that's like an alarm to me that, okay, you need to get in the needs of others because you're you've gotten too self-focused here. And that's why this anger is now mm-hmm. allowed to resurrect in me. So, so uh, there's, you know, I didn't know it at the time I was living in that self life, but self is a tyrant, you know, and I don't want to go back to any of that. And really, that that does become a motivation if, you know, if I just sit and contemplate that for a minute. Where am I headed here? And is that really what I want? You know, just asking myself some of those kinds of questions. And honestly, I'm not sure. I need more motivation than that sometimes because that mm-hmm. self-life misery was so yeah. real and so deep and so mm-hmm. hard to get out of for me that mm-hmm. I never want to get close to it again, you know? Yeah, the last thing I had wanted to talk about was what has been the effect of your relationship with the Lord because of this focus of meeting people's needs. But I mean, I think you basically already said it. Yeah. <laughs> Both yeah. of you guys said it. Um, if people were reading between the lines, I mean, you can hear the joy, the purpose, the fulfillment, the peace, the gratitude. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the exact opposite of what comes from selfishness. Selfishness just breeds that misery, the mm-hmm. hopelessness, the despair, and you guys are living the exact opposite of that now. Yeah, it's like, because that really is the best part of all in a sense, right? I get rid of all of that misery and despair, and but I get a joy-filled and fruitful personal relationship with the Lord out of it, you know, like that, because he tells us, I think three times at least in his word, that his desire is mercy, not sacrifice. And so when we enter into doing mercy, we're actually doing the will of God. 
we're doing what he wants us to do. And there's a, a connection that you make with him in that moment. Then when you're engaged in doing what he wants done, <laughs> there's a connection. And that leads to a, a really rich relationship with the Lord that after a while, like when you've tasted that, you don't go back from that very easily. And you can never be happy with anything less than that after you've had a taste of it. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on Purity for Life. Next week, we'll be back with another key lesson, and we'll talk about the importance of making sure that we are actually pursuing God's goal for our lives instead of our own goals. All right, God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.